0: Hey, and welcome to When She Leads, a podcast for women in ministry. I'm your host, Brenda Leavenworth, and I want to sit around the table with you, grab a cup of coffee, and consider the complexities and realities of leading as a woman. I'll be joined by an awesome team of women from across the globe, and together we'll bring our experience, research, victories, and of course, our failures. Listen in as we confront each topic biblically and practically. Well, hello today. Along with Jody and Rosemary, we're going to tackle part two of developing and revamping women's ministry. Hey, guys! Hello, good morning. How are you guys doing? Doing
1: well. Thank you.
0: you guys you, ready? Brenda? I'm good. Thanks. You guys ready to tackle this part two of? Um, you know, in part one, we kind of discussed uh, a lot about developing a women's ministry from scratch, or just sort of. Beginning a women's ministry. And today we want to focus on revamping, or maybe someone's listening that's going to be taking over an existing ministry. So we want to have a kind of a conversation about that. One of the things that I was thinking when you go to revamp or sort of maybe even take over an existing ministry is the first thing is you have to ask questions, right? You have to kind yeah. of like, um, is if you're going to be looking at redeveloping a ministry, we want to ask questions, and we want to ask the right questions. And so I was thinking about what questions should we ask, and and I have a list, and maybe you guys have some things too, just to kind of get the ball rolling and, and get the discussion going, but um, one of the things that I was posed with a question recently was if my ministry, if our ministry, women's ministry, ceased um, would our community notice? And that sort of takes you right to where you're at, where you're planted. What are my community needs? What are, you know, where am I living? You know, some people might live in the suburbs. Other people are lo- living in an urban, uh, culture. Some are on the mission field. Who are the people that we're trying to reach and what are they dealing with? Um, another question might be, what are we spending our time, money, and resources On that, maybe God doesn't seem to be blessing. I know in our situation, um, my husband, who's a senior pastor, would say, you know, we don't want to do CPR to a ministry that God's not in. We don't want to resuscitate dead things. Um, What big step— Time to let it go. Yeah, (laughs) sometimes you just got to let things go. Um, Another one is what big step of faith or risk that God might want us to take that we're not willing— what are the needs of the women in our body? What leadership am I training them with? Um, I I have a you know thing that it's like well if they if they're not doing what I want them to do, what haven't I led them to do? And and why is that? Do I have the right leaders? What is God putting on our hearts for vision? And we talked a lot about that in part one, and our listeners can hear that. But what's that vision? What is um, what is going on in our post COVID culture? Cause you guys both know that so much has changed, right? That people have changed. Yeah. You know, what's another question might be what's going on in the next generations? You know, what what's going on with Gen Z? And um do we even know what's going on? And then how are we discipling the core? Does it excite them towards the vision? Do they desire to reach the lost in, in your community? Do they understand their role within the church? And then another thing might be, uh, what is community? Community, you know. And we might do a whole show just on what what is what exactly is community. And then talking through breaking the status quo. I think whenever you're talking about revamping a ministry, you want to go, okay, what are we doing that we just do because we do it every year <laughs> and we don't break the status quo? What do you guys think?
2: Go ahead, Jody. Okay. Yeah, I mean,
1: oh, got those, that's such a rich list. Like I, I would say people could go back and listen to that and like take them each down, you know, because each one of those things is so important for organising a, a women's ministry. And um, you talked about taking over a women's ministry rather than maybe from starting it from scratch. And I, I did that. Um, so in my church, I was on a women's ministry team. There was five of us. And then there was a lady leading the team. And then she asked if I would take over the leadership the lady who handed me leadership remained on the team and I for a long time I think that whenever we would have leadership meetings together as a team I would continue to look to her I had such a deep respect for her and, and she was such a wonderful leader you know and um I would continue to look to her you know give a suggestion and then kind of like subconsciously look to her and sort of check if she thought that was a good idea you know and after a few months of this one of the other girls on the team pulled me aside and said Jodie you know like don't keep looking for on like she doesn't want you to keep looking to her she is the one who thinks that you should have taken over and you know she's like we all respect you and we you know we're glad you're you're leading the team and just you know you need to take the responsibility now and um, kind of own that and um, be the leader and so sometimes taking over something is a process of adjustment you know it's hard to just boom be the leader you know we're all learning and um, I think we probably need scaffolding and support in that so I'm very grateful to my friend on the team who who had that little chat with me, I needed that. You know, I didn't realize I was mm-hmm. even doing it and I needed that. Um, and, you know, I like I say, I had such respect for that, that girl who was leading. And so I didn't think that I would I would make many changes at all. I thought, you know, we were doing a pretty good job. But then, of course, the Lord does give you vision, doesn't he? And so there have been some changes. Um, and uh, so a few of the things that we've kind of revamped since, since I took over was um, I think that one of the main things was um, we started a a ministry within ministry called women's ministry called connect. And um, it's just basically where we had each one of us on the team. There was five of us. We put it out there that we would be like available to meet up with anybody who wanted to meet up with us, a new person in the church, a person who, who had just come along and maybe didn't have friends yet. And we would agree to kind of six meetings every other week. And, um, that was our connect ministry and we all got, we got signed up really quickly and we ended up needing to have more connect- connectors to meet up with the connectees. And it was such a rich ministry and it's still, it's still going, we kept going through, through COVID and everything with um Zoom meetups, you know, um, and we're just at the place now where we can actually meet up in person again. And that was such a rich ministry and it fosters just friendships, you know, um, and it opened a door for discipleship that I think maybe wouldn't have been opened if we hadn't, had that kind of one-on-one time together to establish friendships with each other and with each other, and to kind of have that permission, you know, to speak into people's lives because we've already established a relationship. And um, and then this year, um, the in twenty twenty one, we started a new a new kind of thing where we um, we were going through the Gospel of Luke, and we just opened it up to a lot of the girls who have been attending Women's Ministry, and. Um, asked if they would like to teach so a lot of the young girls like you were talking about the gen zers and um, brenda a lot of the young girls in their early 20s and so we just and you had these girls who were faithfully coming along and, and we asked if they would like to teach so um they it was like a 12 week um teaching through luke and each girl sort of took one week and the team still taught i taught, and um the rest of the team but um it was such an amazing experience to see these girls start to have the opportunity to mm. teach and to see their willingness and their excitement to do it. And also to um, see how it encouraged other young people to come along, like their friends would want to come and support them when they taught, you know. Mm. And um, from that, and this is the last thing I'll blabber on about here, but um, from that, I, I really got a heart for training these young girls. and I And I just like training them in leadership, you know. And so we ran our first leadership training day for the girls. Uh, just a week ago and um, it was just the most amazing encouraging day and it was so incredible for me it was one of, i think it's one of the best experiences that i've ever had in ministry to see um the girls be so incredibly encouraged and so happy that we were seeing their gifts and that we were wanting to you know um help them in their gifts and be there walk alongside them and encourage them in their gifts and give them opportunities and it honestly made me nearly sad that i hadn't done it sooner like, like I said, I couldn't believe that I hadn't done it sooner because it was such a rich and beautiful experience. And I'm determined to continue to um, use leadership training to, you know, disciple and grow girls in their gifts and give them opportunities to, to um, lead and serve and teach um, in, well, my purview is women's ministry. So within mm-hmm. the women's ministry, and it's such an exciting um, way also to to reach Gen Zers because they understand each other in a way that you know it's it's more difficult for
0: us to right. That's I love them. Awesome. I love that's a couple fun. things that you were saying there. It was just you've you've taken, you know, big risk. And whenever you put people in a teaching position, you know, that's a big risk. But we're as a church, we're here to disciple people. And so at some point we have to take that risk and give people opportunities to stretch and grow and you know, all we have to do is think back to maybe some of the first times we taught. <laughs> and um and that settles it. You know, we have to allow people to yeah. cut their teeth and then, you know, raising up leaders and giving people opportunities, I think is so great. And um, I think when we're talking about this idea of revamping or retaking over, you know, um, you have to get to the point where, you know, you're asking the tough questions, but then you're willing to step out. And do some new things. You know, when you take over, you don't mm-hmm. want to just go in like a bull in a china shop either and and just mm-hmm. change everything for the sake of changing. But yeah. then having that freedom, like you said, Jody, to go in and listen to the Lord and do something different that maybe He's put on our hearts that and sometimes he'll put things on our hearts that seem so out of the box and we think, man, that, that's a crazy vision. Mm -hmm. But God loves crazy visions, you know. He's given a few in the Bible, and (laughs) people have obeyed. And they've turned out pretty good. So I I think that we can uh, go with that. But what's been your experience, Rosemary?
2: I would say that that's our experience with Calvary Chapel, that Chuck and Kay Smith reached out to hippies, to kind of a rejected group. And they loved them and appreciated them for who they were. And I think that we need to continue doing that with the next generations and not just complain about how different they are or how we don't get them or complain about, you know, what they do that's different. I think that we devalue them. And if they're sitting in our churches and sitting under teachings where they just hear complaining, they're not going to stick around or feel yeah, exactly. appreciated. And and I, I love that that's our heritage. But I think it's so neat to give them that opportunity to serve. They also just are people who are really um, looking for opportunities to change the world. I I really remember that about young people. And they want to come in and they want to be active. They want to be doing something in this world to have an effect. And why not bring them into church and show them how to have an effect for the kingdom of God?
1: Yeah.
2: And. And I, I think that's what our movement strength was right at the beginning. Right. So uh, with my experience, you know, I've, I've done a couple of different times uh, revamping. I was on the mission field and I took over um, where the missionary left. And I myself was also a missionary. It was the pastor's wife who left. And um, we were a bunch of single people on the wow. leadership team. So I was asked to take over the women's ministry. And, and we talked about that a little bit in the past where I had gone and discuss with the pastor what his vision was for the church and what he would see me doing there in that church. And taking over, um, was different because I had been, um, involved with the young ladies at church, discipling them, and they saw me a lot of ways as a peer. So that was an interesting change where I went from being kind of a peer to a leader and, um, and at first, I think that they, they liked me as a friend, and then it was just this shift. And it was very interesting. I think I had enough of a, um, you know, a relationship with them that they could see that transition and that it was the Lord, and it, it really flowed. And it was, it was a good transition. So I remember doing that as a missionary, and it working really well. But I had a totally different experience when I left the mission field and I came here to Colorado. We stepped into a church where we took over, um, a church that someone else started. And so um, what was really interesting for me is we were brand new at church. I, I really didn't know anybody. And I'm not from Colorado. My husband is. But I didn't know anyone, didn't really know um, I was coming off the mission field. I remember even being confused talking to people in Hungarian because I kept forgetting what country I was in. It was just such a mess. And, (laughs) you know, it was just kind of funny. And I would um, have these funny conversations where I would start in Hungarian and I would say, oh, you speak English. I'm sorry. And, you know, they probably thought, wow, what a nut. But um, I was coming into this situation and I had women, a couple of women come up to me Um, one of them was even kind of upset, you know, huffy and she goes, well, I hope you're here and you're going to do something for the women, um, because we want to see something done and things had been going in a women's Bible study. So I really didn't know what (laughs) she was complaining about. Like no pressure there, (laughs) but it was so strange to me. You know, I just realized you come in and everyone's got their opinion and they see Someone new, and they're like, Well, I want you to do this and this and this. And you're like, Okay, you know, I just got here. What's your name? And I kept thinking, What country am I in? And what language am I supposed to be speaking here? <laughs> So, you know, I came in and I had to figure all this out. And so um, I remember just starting with a general kind of a fellowship night where I just wanted to sit down with the ladies and kind of introduce myself. I don't think they knew much about me. My husband was always in front talking. And so we had just this fellowship time where I introduced myself, talked about myself and laid out a vision that I had um, that I would like to start a women's ministry and we'll get rolling with it. You know, I wanted to start... Um, but give a little space to get it going and figure it out because I had just arrived. And, um, you know, they, they really responded well to that. I had a huge response come to this fellowship where they were all really curious. And then as soon as we got into Bible study, the group did shrink a bit, which I thought was interesting. And then as we continued on with Bible studies, a few people, you know how it is, right? When you start your semester, is that what you guys experience? You ladies have uh, people signing up, a lot start mm-hmm. out, and then they kind of drop off, right? Yep. That seems normal. And then, you know, some of them just um, didn't quite want to do what I was doing, but this is what our church was doing. And so um, that's the thing, is you have to hear what the Lord wants.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, too, you know, as a leader, I think you have to have sort of equal parts grit and innocence at the same time. Because at, at some point, yeah, you are the leader, and sometimes you have to make calls that, you know, that are difficult and then carrying out the vision. Like we can lay out the vision, but sometimes people need to see the vision in action. And so if we just stick with that and we just say, okay, these are going to be our staples and teaching them, you know, this is the reason why we're doing it this way. I think the reason why always goes a long way, but you know, this is why we're doing it. And sometimes it takes a while to get something going to where then the ladies go, Oh, wait a minute. Now I'm starting to trust her leadership because I see that she has our well-being in mind. I see that there's a reason we're going to do Bible study, you know, September through May or whatever you're doing. They they begin to see that they can trust you and that they want to follow you because, you know, you you are taking your orders from God and this is what God's laying out for our church and so I think that You know, when we're talking about like revamping or we're discussing right now taking over, you know, yeah, we want to be subtle in not being a bull in a china shop, but we also don't want to be timid in, okay, no, I'm going to do what God's told me to do in love and encouragement and then bringing people along. I think that's the hardest thing as a leader. You can take off so far that you look back and it's like, wait, where is everybody? I'm so far out front. I forgot to bring people along. So I think what you're describing is you were trying to lay out the vision, and then you were trying to bring those people along with you on a, on that spiritual journey of growth and development and um and learning how to you know walk the way Jesus walked. It's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah.
2: And um, adding a few more things that. Um, I came and it was about six months later. So I did want to start in September. And um, when I was getting ready to start, I didn't, I, I talked about this last time, that I didn't know anyone and I didn't know who would attend or who would be committed and who I could ask to help me. So I did start alone that first year and it was, I kept it simple and manageable and I really wanted to get to know the women that first year. But I did ask a few of the elders' wives um, what what has been going on with the women here at church. I tried to get filled in with what, what was happening, what the previous wife had been doing. She did tell me. And um, I, you know, had my own ideas, too. So I did want to make some changes. And I I know that we're going to talk about how to do those changes because it is difficult to come in. and. Um, you're the new person and people are either looking at ex- looking at you in expectation, like you're going to make this better, right? You're going to do right. all these things I want you to, right? And then you have people who kind of fold their arms and they're like, who are you and why are you here? You know, so you have this whole gamut of people. But then um, when you come, I just really had um, kind of established how I like to do women's ministry, what I feel works, and what I had done in Hungary in the two different churches I served in. And so I wanted to come in and continue doing that because it had done um, worked well with those churches where we were looking at the women in the Bible and just getting some Bible knowledge, laying down some facts on, you know, why God made women and some things like that, looking at the different Mm -hmm. women in the Bible. So we did that our first year. And I thought, well, this has always worked, but I wanted to see what's going to work here, here Mm -hmm. in Colorado. And, um, I just was kind of trying this out, but really feeling like this is what the Lord had. And so um, I listened to a lot of the different women who um, stayed around at the church and who had attended the Bible study, and also the women who were elders' wives. Not all of them were a part of the Bible study, but they were filling me in on um, maybe what were some things that I could improve on um, that they could see that would be done better. And you know, honestly, one of them was very interesting. They said that um, time was an issue. And I, um, know that the Bible studies would just kind of ramble on and go on and on. And what was hard about that was that the women just said, well, you know, I need to go to work in the morning. I can't just stick around forever and just stay in this meeting. And so they felt trapped and they don't want to come back. So that was an interesting point Mm -hmm. that was really strongly made to me. And, um, a lot of little tips, a lot of little things, you know, how to run the ministry. And I wanted to do it well and respect their time, start on time, finish on time. And I wanted to give them space to fellowship because I realized these women did not know each other. So I would not really teach for very long, um, maybe 30 minutes. And then we would have like an hour for discussion and then we'd close in prayer. And Mm -hmm. these women really built a fellowship. So that was a big change where I knew that the previous ministry leader had just done a lot of teaching and would go on for maybe an hour or hour and a half. And it was a lot of teaching and less time for fellowship and prayer. So I wanted to make that change, but I thought it was a change for the better and we had a Mm -hmm. good response. So I did come in and change how we did it. And um, it went really well. So praise the Lord. I think one of the things that, um, that
0: I have noticed is that, Over the years, in you know, almost thirty years, just experience in women's ministry, um, there's a group of people now that I've worked with for a long time, and and I think I don't, I don't, it might have been John Maxwell that talks about these like kind of five levels of leadership, and when you get to that fifth level, like you have a lot of what would be called change in your pocket, like you, these ladies, like they know you, they trust you, so whenever I um, pitch a vision to them or I want to go in a direction, they know me they know they can trust that. But one of the things he said and that I've been realizing is when new people come in, they don't trust you like that because they don't know you. And so when we're going and revamping or retaking over a ministry, you know, not everybody knows you at the same level. And so some people you will have to bring along because they they don't have that trust. And and I'm used to like, oh, I have this group of of women and they just know me. So I can I can go and do whatever I feel God's called me to do. But then, I, then realizing it might be wise for us to realize like, okay, now I need to kind of like bring these others along that don't know me so well and and let them get to know my leadership in that way. I want to kind of switch gears with you guys because I think that um, post-COVID, and I don't, I don't know if we can say post-COVID yet, but um, we're really—everyone that I have talked to is really starting to think through what is ministry going to look like? You know, what— what kind of questions are we going to ask? And we can ask some of these questions that we have on here. And then we have a new generation of these Gen Z kids that are coming um, up and and needing guidance. And they're not listening to the older generation. And I sort of feel like uh, we're we're all probably in that middle generation where the older generation they had you know great. There's a great history there, and and we can learn so much. But I feel like the Gen Zers maybe aren't listening. To that generation as much anymore and they have their own thoughts and their own um things that they're thinking and we're trying in the middle here to like bridge that gap and to really recognize like how can we reach this next generation so what are some of the things that you guys have been maybe asking yourself the question or thinking through like what's what is what is a ministry going to look like how are we going to have to revamp this to fit this next generation
2: I think Jody just did something really great with them with the young ladies at her church yeah um I obviously
1: yeah like including them is is massively important but I I do think too that what the coronavirus has it hasn't it, it didn't make it happen but it exposed that it was happening is that it it showed us that we are living in a in a world that is more complex than we, anything we've ever encountered before. And I'm stealing this analogy from Mark Sayers, but he used the analogy of um, the, the movie, it's called 11 Days, and it's about the um, Cuban Missile Crisis. And in it, um, John F. Kennedy and his brother are trying to decide what to do. And at one point, they have this conversation and JFK says to his brother, where are all the old men who can tell us how to deal with this situation? And his brother said, there are none. And, and the idea there was that this was a completely new situation that nobody has ever dealt with before. Right. Nobody has ever faced the nuclear destruction of the world. So we can't ask any old men; they don't know. We have to deal with this, and I think that the world that we live in right now, post—if we can say post—I don't actually think we can—coronavirus—and <laughs> um, it's something that we have not ever dealt with before. It's Through pandemics and things before, but not globally on the scale that we're dealing with now, and um, church closures and all of these things, and so we are dealing with with this, and it is almost impossible to predict what will happen next, you know. And because the world has become so complex, we're networked, we never have been, it's an extremely complicated situation that we're living in, and. Okay, but that's difficult. But it's also really exciting because what it does is it pushes us into a situation of complete dependence on the Lord, um, and we can't really necessarily have like a, um, a structure or like a, a plan or a um, right. You Wouldn't know, that a be way great? That we can navigate <laughs> this. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. yeah. But those things are are not working right now. They're changing minute by minute, and so we really need to push in, lean into the Lord in this season, and seek His face in a way that we never have before. And I think that when we, you know, I talk about it. Well, I've only done one with you, but talk about a lot outside of this podcast too, that um, the power that we need right now is, is found in the secret place with Christ in going to him in intimacy in our rooms, And um, just saying, Lord, I'm here. That's what I say to the Lord every day. I know he's there, but I want to tell him I'm here. Lord, I'm here. Speak to me, guide me, lead me in this situation because I can't, I can't make a, a, a plan or, you know, um, a new a new women's ministry like thing that we're going to do this year. Who knows what's going to happen? Only God knows. And so we just have to really lean into him in this situation to get his guidance. But the wonderful thing is that when we lean into the Lord, when we come to him in the secret place, you know, that's a real place of renewal. And and we can't have corporate renewal unless we have personal renewal. First. It simply can't happen, you know. But I I do think that because the way the world is now is pushing us into a realization of our need to come to intimacy with Jesus um, and to have that personal relationship with him revived, um, I do think it is leading to personal renewal all around the world, which I I do believe will lead to a global renewal in the church. I think that's what the Lord is working at really, really hard now. And I want to be a part of it. Um, And I know that, you know, women have been so integral throughout the entire history of the church. And and we are now too, it is important, our women's ministry is important in what the Lord is doing in the world right now. So for me, it's a very confusing season, one that's almost impossible to read, but it's one that I know the Lord is working in. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited that we get to be a part of that mm-hmm. um, in this in this coronavirus season that we're all living through.
0: And aren't you asking yeah. the questions? I know for me, I'm I'm kind of leaning in. And, and like you say, we're having that personal renewal with God and we're leaning into, God, what is it that our women are struggling with? You know, I think like you say, this exposed a lot of things that maybe we didn't realize was even going on in the church or going on in our, I should say, the church, meaning our own hearts. And what is it that we've, I'm asking questions like, what have I missed over the last 10 years? What what haven't I uh led my women to? What what haven't I taught my women that they need to be taught for times like this? That because we've all seen people just kind of fall away from the church. We've out of fellowship. Um, just a, a simple change of a Sunday morning structure has sent some to the couch and they've never gotten off again. I mean, yep. there's just people that have been hurt. There's been a Ton of division within churches, within families, um, within friendships. All of us have dealt with that and we come away just going, I don't want any of it. But how do then we as leaders go, you know what? We need to lean into this and figure out what do these women really need? According to scripture, I think we're all going back to the word of God now and going, okay, Lord, speak to us. What do these women need? what not what do they want well i think churches are filled with women's ministry that give women what they want but what do they need what do they need from you what do they need to learn what do they need to grow in what do they need to be solidified in because we are going into a you know and it, most people say it's already a post christian world but we're going we're going into some real persecution coming it's coming it, more than what we would ever know and i think that our women need to be you know, apologists, I think we need to teach a defense for our faith. I think that, you know, we need to to sort of work out that that spiritual muscle within people that they will be able to stand fast in the day of calamity.
2: That's good. And like um, Ephesians 6, 10 says, to stand. And, you know, there's all this spiritual warfare happening, and our part is to stand there and to stand on Jesus Christ and what He's done. And to have our our Bibles in our hand in prayer as well. I um I think with COVID, um, just doing ministry during COVID, ministry means that you're attending to the needs of someone, and the needs of people really did change with COVID. And I think just it's going to look different, probably with Jody in Ireland and wherever we are. It's going to look different, and our Countries are all going to be in a different situation. I know I was in Hungary and they were also locked down for a long time. And um, here, you know, what what I would say is that when we are attending to the needs of people, we want to listen to the needs of the people who are struggling, the people who we might say are weak or who are just barely coming along. And we want to pay attention to them and not just to... um, maybe the people who are easy to work with or people who are not needy or maybe people who are doing really well but that's that's what it is it's just trying to see the needs of everyone and all the women who are there and that's what makes it a challenge i think too right
0: yeah definitely what are some things like maybe you know i know for me you know we've talked about on this podcast that we don't only want to share like oh we have all this know-how but you know we've all failed too miserably in ministry. And we keep putting one foot in front of the other and trying. And and I was thinking back to like, wow, when are some of the times where I've really failed as a women's ministry leader? And I I think one of those times, and maybe you guys can each share a little a little um, snippet too, but one of those times for me maybe was in not seeing the whole body or I, I think how I would articulate it is um producing consumers instead of disciples and i think now there's and there's always been a focus on the word i'm not i'm not saying that but you know we do want to have fun events and we do want our events to look good and we you know we have all these things and those pe- those things draw people in but at the heart of hearts i think that i i want to be able to make disciples first and foremost but in that, one of the things that, um, that I feel like I failed in was not seeing every woman in the body. Sometimes we get into this place where it's like, okay, you know, in our context, we had a lot of young moms, so everything was geared towards the young mom. But then what about the, the woman who's divorced that's struggling, that's a single mom? What about the, the, the woman who is a widow? What about somebody who walks in that's really poor and, and just really struggling to put food on her table, you know, just not being able to see, um, and, I, and I dealt with this with my leaders too, like, look, we're seeing sort of, we have eyes for maybe the popular people in the church, or we want this certain kind of person, and yet there's someone sitting over there that we've turned our back on you know and so i think that that's sort of been one of our failures and maybe that will speak to someone today that you know see the pe- see the unlovelies that we're supposed to be like jesus reaching out to every single person contemplate who's in your body what are you seeing and open your eyes to some of those women that maybe you would n- normally maybe not even notice and notice them what what have been some that's of your not- failures
2: I, I really agree with that. I think to be like Jesus, that he hung out with the people who were despised by society and he um, loved them, accepted them. He let the children come and he hugged them. And people were like, what are you doing wasting your time? And so he was this kind of radical person who had eyes for the lost and eyes for the hurting. And we just want to be like Jesus. And so I would say just in making some mistakes is in a similar way, um, how it can be easy to look to people who are friends or who might be um, some people who have kids, the age of your kids, or who might be um, more similar to you with some common interests. And I think that that would be a mistake is that you look to these people and you pay attention to them. But I think that that hurts the body of Christ when you pay attention to people who are friends or who are just like you, because that's not a representation of um, what it should be. The body is a variety of people. It's everyone and a variety of ages. I would want our ministries to have people who represent our cities and where we are at, that it's people of all nationalities and age groups. And so that's something I've become really aware of as well is, those people who just really need, uh, someone to come alongside them and, uh, to invite them. Even a lot of women have just been really, uh, you know, kind of on the outskirts and saying, Oh no, I won't come to women's Bible study. Um, it's just not my thing, or I don't have time for that. Or, you know, they don't feel like maybe they're in the group and you say, what, there's no group. What do you mean? in the group it's a woman's group you're a woman and so just trying to make the way like we've tried to make so many things like we have um i've gone to the single moms and said we have child care for you if you would like to come and i you know we have women who check in with the single moms like how are you doing and even they they need things done around the house or what if they're sick who helps them out and things like that that we have eyes for these people who struggle how about you jody
1: um, yeah, everything that you guys are saying really resonates with me. I think that um, doing Connect ministry really, really showed me that, um, so that was where I was meeting one-on-one with a lot of the different girls. Um, and, you know, all the different girls, yeah, it wasn't just like people you thought you could get along with. It could be, it could be paired with anybody, you know, and um, it's such a great experience to realize these girls have so much to give me to like Amen. it's not a one-way street here like these girls are fantastic you know Amen. I've I've learned so much from the girls I've done connect with and that's it isn't it like we're not up on some you know pulpit like just having all the wisdom and giving it all to, to everybody else <laughs> and like, we need to learn too right and we Amen. have we have girls in our church who've experienced things and lived things that we never lived and they can give us insight and wisdom into those things you know and vice versa but um Sometimes it can be a little bit of back and forth, you know, um, rather than sort of a one way street. And I, and I really realized, too, like the more I've sort of um, given opportunity for other people to teach and everything, you know, that you're not a good teacher. It just means that people like to hear different voices, you know, mm. people like to hear different perspectives and angles on things. And I think that sometimes we can be a little bit territorial. Like, no, no, this is my thing. This is my opportunity. This is the thing that I do. And this is my ministry, you know, and it, it can cause um, fear in in opening things up and, and giving other people opportunities. And also, what if they do a really, really great job? And then I'm comparing myself to them. And actually, right. maybe everyone will start to think they should be the women's ministry team leader because they're so good, you know. But um, like Brenda, we were talking and you said, like, that's our win, too if if some of the girls in our team that have been raised up, you know, and they're doing amazing, they're doing great, they're even doing better than us, like that's our win too, you know, and that's what we should be hoping for. That's what we should be wanting to see. And like I was um saying that there's there was this um Australian swimming coach in the Olympics and his his swimmer, his girl, she won gold and his celebration was like so insanely happy and crazy that like um <laughs> he like made international news from it. And um that's kind of what we should be like, right? That we are celebrating. We are for our girls a hundred percent. That everything we do is based out of love. We don't have some sort of suspicion of them or like, that's oh, right. if we give them the, an inch, they'll take a mile, You know, oh, they're gonna want to take over. They're gonna like that's all completely based out of fear, right? right. Mm-hmm. That, but that we we, we, we actually work out of a place of love for our girls and the desire to see them raise up into ministry, even if they're even if they're like working a full time job they're busy you know they can still do ministry you know how like I'm sure lots of us have worked full-time jobs and done ministry as well um I have and um you know and so I, right. I just hope that we could really serve and minister with wisdom but also with really open hearts
0: right
1: um out of a place of love and a desire to see the girls that we are working with and serving raised up
0: yeah hey and as we're um kind of wrapping down the the topic today what would you say to, because I was just kind of going over this list of the questions I asked at the beginning, and we'll put something up to where we can um, have these questions available in the show notes, but what what would you guys say to when someone comes in to take over your revamping and you're kind of thinking through your team members, what do you say for, for someone who um, maybe has some of the wrong team members on their team? How do you guys handle that or how would you handle that maybe you've inherited a team that um that maybe is clicky or maybe they have all they want to do is fellowship and you're coming into a church and you and you want to change the culture of the women's ministry and you have the wrong leaders how how do you deal with that just to throw that out there at the end of the show
2: <laughs> well i'll I'll say that. Um, in the situation when I came here, I, that there wasn't a, a team. There was no leadership. It was the one pastor's wife leading things. But um, I, I have made some mistakes asking some people to help out, um, even teach. And I think the mistake was that it was a friend. And because it was someone I thought I knew that I could just trust them, that was, my, I think, my mistake. And then it was hard to change things and um, work with that. So I, uh, I, I definitely know that that was one of my failures. And I would just say that I just, in my mind, just set it up where um, if I have leadership, that there has to be a space of time where they attend the group and are a part of the group and where I would talk to them in a way where they see the vision for the ministry and want to see where I'm going. And I would tell them my expectations, which is really important to be clear on what I want them doing and how they should respond with me. So that was that would be my mistake and something that I've learned uh, the hard way. And another thing is I was saying where I have this kind of way that I teach, where we look at the women of the Bible and just um, how I started out that way each time I started a women's ministry. I would say that it's it's an easy mentality to get into, to just say, well, this works and this has been working, and this is just the way we're going to do it. And I would rather be someone who just doesn't hold on tightly to that, but to have, um, kind of a loose grip on this and say that this is the Lord's ministry and Mm -hmm. I should be listening to him and how he leads it, uh, promptings in my heart or, you know, just what I feel I should do and, um, what would work best. Here and just really being able to change it up at any time and not just sticking to what I've always done or what I'm comfortable with.
0: What about you, Jody and team members? Not having the right people on your team or having to to get somebody off the team that you think uh, you need to. What What do you say about that?
1: Well, I completely agree with what Rosemary said. You know, you have to um, look at things like if people are faithful. You know and um, they just do what they say they'll do you know show up when they need to show up and and these are things to observe maybe before you ask them but i would be very very cautious and possibly even reluctant to i use the phrase get people off my team um i think that that can be a real go-to you know like oh let's just get rid of them and i i wonder how much discipleship there is in that like okay, I, I'm not talking about it. somebody who you have on your team who's just, like, causing massive problems and is, I don't know. Right, you know, that's doing kind of and and what I was talking
0: like, about, not the people yeah. that need to be discipled, but maybe you've gone in, because we're talking about revamping, retaking over ministries, maybe somewhere where you've gone in, you've inherited a team, and it's just, a you know, because there's some people that are listening that, like, they've gone into really bad situations. And how do you handle that? I I,
1: um, I think with grace. you you have to handle it with grace. And um, so again, I still think I would be very, very reluctant to get rid of somebody from my team. I, I think that you would have to communicate like what Rosemary was saying, communicate really clearly with that person, your expectations and talk to them about what they struggle with. And maybe if there's any sort of breakdown in communication, if they're not understanding exactly what you're saying or why these things are important, like we, we don't just like, like, Dole out commands, right? We right. we explain. We we have the the onus is on us as leaders to explain to them why we think this is a good idea, like why we think it's important. And then Brenda, you said at the start, like ask questions, right? So then we say to them, like, the reason that I would like you to come on a Wednesday night and do this, this and this is because I think this, this, and this is really important. Like and then ask the questions. Do you think that's important or is that important to you? Or would you do this a different way? Or how do you see that it's important? And at least have the conversation, right? And right. just and you know, don't just get annoyed because they're not doing what you're telling them to do have the conversation like ask them questions again if we don't scaffold people if we don't help people if we just like have a pile of bodies at the back of the church you know <laughs> that we just got rid of like that's not helping anybody mm-hmm. you know so and i do think that 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 has been sort of a leadership model sometimes in the church you know and um and i that wouldn't be the one that i would want to um go to you know no. so after having the the conversation and after maybe try you know also like Rosemary was talking about how Chuck, um, you know, went to like the hippies and everything, you know, and used these people. But, you know, the reality of using people who might be coming from quite a broken place can be quite complex. Right. You know, working with people who've come from maybe very difficult backgrounds and things like that, they, they, they'd be carrying a lot of baggage with them, you know, that. But then if, if we're going to embrace that, then we have to deal with that. Yeah. And we have to walk them through it and we have to help them through it. And if that makes our job a little bit harder, then we're the leader and we have to own that, you know, and we have to bear that on our shoulders and we can't yeah. be getting rid of difficult people. So now, you know, obviously with the caveats of like, if people are just completely, you know, not interested and they they won't do anything, you know, um, and exactly, think yeah. that we have to handle it with a lot of grace and yeah. have a lot of conversations and as much as we possibly can, scaffold people in order to try to keep them rather mm. than just... Get rid of
0: them. Yeah, I agree with They're that, fine. and I th- I think that um, teaching them as you go along, and and teaching them the reasons why, and teaching them the scripture behind it, and um and you know for um there are there are some qualifications in the word for leadership, and we can look at those, and we can train to those, and I think that's true. Jody, bringing people along in that process is so important, and then if you have to have that. You know, okay. These this person is not the right person on the bus. A few things that I have not on the bus, but like in the wrong seat. Like maybe there's, you know, to me the leaders of the women's ministry, the the women are looking up to them for leadership, and so you know we have to kind of take a look at that, and and not like oh this is this high and mighty group. Um, that that's not where I'm going at all. But there are some things that you know, if if we have somebody that is in in grave sin or Um, or they're not mature. Uh, Maybe these are some of the things that you could inherit that you could, okay, now we have to deal with this kind of a thing. Um, I know some people who have, some ladies who have done um, like terms, like for their leadership team, like, hey, will you give us a year? And that way, sort of if it's not working or, you know, there's somebody else that needs to come on, um, that would be a natural transition. I love what you said, Jody, about like discipling and training people along the way. I find that that goes a long way. Sometimes it's just people don't know. You know, they they found themselves yeah. on a team and they're just they just don't really know how that team works and what's expected and um, those types of things. So teaching through those things, and I I like your long suffering grace attitude. You know, let's have long suffering with the people in the women's ministry and the people of the church. You know, um, also, them sometimes
1: along. we need to have chips taken off us. Like sometimes because people are hard to work with. It's, <laughs> sometimes that's really, you know, iron sharpens iron, right? And yeah. sometimes we need to learn how, how to cope with these situations. Like it's not necessarily all shaped just to fit us. You know, mm, like, exactly. we need to work with a person that we find difficult to work with so that we can grow and yes. we can learn and we can mature in our leadership, you know, and it's not a its not a victory, is it? Just to like have a person you find hard to work with and get rid of them. No. It's a victory if you can work through that situation exactly. and stay on a team together and start to work well together. You know, right. and that probably means having both of you have edges knocked off. But if you're willing, then I think that we should work as hard as we possibly can to, to um yes. you know, make, make it work and have a victory in that situation. Yeah,
0: well, we, we definitely all have edges that we need to be rubbed off. Hey, thanks for joining us today at the table. We hope that you find this content helpful to wherever you serve. Um, if you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss, email us at podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at whensheleads. Join us at the table next time as we discuss the pastor's wife and friendships. Until then, lead people to know, love, and serve Jesus.